Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. I'm Annie Warmke. And today we're going to talk about the battle of the currents, or... Or was Tesla smarter than Edison? Tesla smart. Yeah, this is part of the Dead White Scientist series, where we go into some of the history of sustainability. And I will answer that question, yes. <laughs> okay, that's the end of this program. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah, and we came right to the end. Forget the middle. <laughs> right, right. So so what was um, the Battle of the Currents? Some people, this may be a familiar thing. For other people, it's it's way, way out there. But if we put ourselves back 100, 120 years ago, when electricity was a new thing, um, basically, we're in this um, battle. There was DC currents and Thomas Edison with the perfection of or the marketing of the incandescent light bulb. And he did not invent. The Is it perfection light bulb. or refining? Uh, it was it, uh, neither perfection. I'm sure he refined it, but he made it commercially op, uh, right, commercially viable. Because he didn't viable. really invent it. No, no. It was about 100 years old when he got a hold of it. Well, what what you were dealing with was the incandescent light bulb used DC low voltage. Electricity. Uh, yeah, electricity. And there was arc lighting, high voltage AC electricity that was outdoors. So as they started bringing electricity into homes, there was this battle, this tension between AC, DC, which was effectively Nikola Tesla, um, who perfected the uh, delivery of AC power, and Thomas Edison, who was creating the grid with DC power. And it's important to know these two powers work differently. And Annie, you know, you warned me not to get all geekish about how DC <laughs> works, how AC works. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, DC electricity, you can think of it like water flowing through a pipe, water flowing through a hose. You know, the electrons start at one end and they end up at the other end. AC electricity provides power almost like you remember those old toys where you had those swinging balls and you swing one ball into yeah. the other ball and the yeah. other ball would go. The balls didn't move, but the energy from the ball made the last ball move. That's how AC power moves. It's like clacking balls. The balls actually vibrate back and forth, and it is the motion of them uh, that creates that energy. So the electrons don't actually move through a pipe. So anyway, they're totally different things. Thanks. Okay, now we know That's that. all we need to know. Yeah, so, so a lot of this came to a head when they were trying to figure out how to tap into the energy at Niagara Falls and transport it. Um, all the way to Buffalo, New York. A total of 30 miles. Yeah, huh? about 30 miles, wow. 29 miles and some change, which was a huge different uh, distance at that time um, for D.C. Because D.C. would only go like hundreds of feet or even maybe one or 2,000 feet effectively before you started losing voltage. Because as electricity flows through power lines, it loses some of its voltage, a little bit like the friction of water, you know, on the side of the pipe. You lose a little of the pressure. Well, with AC, you could, you could use transformers, and these transformers were developed in Europe. In fact, one of the guys who created the transformer was a fellow named Stanley, who later went on to invent the thermos. Oh, I was going to say yeah, Stanley yeah. Steamer Cleaners. No, no, it was Stanley. And, in fact, his son or grandson, I don't remember which, teamed up with um, J.P. Morgan's grandson or grandson. They made Morgan Stanley Bank. 
So they're all related. Once rich, always rich. It's like a small town in Appalachia. Everybody's related <laughs> to each other. Oh, that was that <laughs> so, was low. But anyway, um, Lord Kelvin, who was very instrumental in the early days of uh, electricity, was a big proponent of DC electricity. So he was like an important physicist or something? Yeah. I mean, that's what the Kelvin temperature scale is based oh. on and all of that. But um, he, was, he was like a big proponent of Edison's system until he went to the World's Fair and he saw – or the Chicago Expo position and he saw the AC lighting and then he was like whoa, whoa, whoa man this is the future so when they did award this contract that was a big um, step to giving it to Westinghouse and Westinghouse won the contract well that didn't set very well what with, what was with Westinghouse you haven't explained that. oh I haven't said well Tesla went to work for Westinghouse it was a company and a man yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. George George Westinghouse okay. and George uh, owned the company Westinghouse Electric and um, so they were, became one of the major competitors. There were actually three companies out there that were vying to be the electric companies. There was um, Edison Electric, Westinghouse Electric, and then there was another one. Um, uh, I've got it in my notes here somewhere, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, a third company. And um, so the two companies were opting for AC electricity. Edison was opting for DC. Uh, and they and the technologies were such that AC was superior, uh, and so Edison started losing out. Edison, not being a, uh, apparently a very nice person, or a good loser, yeah, or a good loser, <laughs> um, he began a PR campaign, uh, and with the help of a um, an engineer named Harold Brown, uh, this guy seemed obsessed with how dangerous AC electricity was. So he started uh, going around from town to town, and Edison was kind of funding this behind the scenes, but Brown would go out there and he would get kids to bring stray dogs up and oh. he would electrocute them. Oh, that's And horrible. he would show, okay, we're oh. going to give them a shock with DC. Look, see, they didn't die. Now we're going to give them a shock with AC. Look, see, they just died. Um, but now, he's lying, really. Well. Because if you get shocked by DC. It can kill you. Yeah. Sure. Well, some of the arguments there, Westinghouse was going, well, you know what? You shocked him with the DC first. Now he's pretty weak. Yeah. And then you give him the AC and then you kill him. Okay, yeah. that doesn't prove anything. So so there was a lot of this kind of controversy. Um, in fact, um, uh, Brown or Harold Brown claimed that there were um, multiple, multiple deaths from AC. He claimed, in fact, that AC had killed 30 people over the last year. Um, where where Electrical Engineering Magazine investigated that, found the number was really closer to um, two, you know. So so it's still dangerous, but not as dangerous I as think was more that it was burning houses down. Well, stuff. that was a big problem, a minor problem. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, this is one of those kind of things where Westinghouse came out and said, "Hey, you know what? But trolley cars killed like 130 people last year." And, you know, and that's kind of a weak argument because you go, yeah, you know, well. They're still all dead. It's still bad. I know. So. It's terrible. <laughs> so, so this was – but it was really a PR campaign thing, you know, where they were out there um, trying to convince people that the other person's product was dangerous. And this got to a head when um, the state of New York decided they were going to use electrocution as a humane way to kill <sighs> criminals. Um, so they began construction of the very first electric chair. Which Mr. Edison supported, didn't he? Oh, yeah. But he supported that it be AC electric. 
because he wanted once again to use this as an example of how dangerous oh, AC is. Instead of the DC. So there is some evidence that Edison actually paid for the um, the electric chair to be manufactured. And they they, as part of the whole spin campaign, tried to come up with a term for it. And they talked about it, you know, uh, the one that they were really pushing for was to be Westinghoused if oh, you get electrocuted, wow. you know. So they're going to put him out of business. Well, it's that, sp- yeah, spin doctor stuff. And um, they they ultimately ended up on being electrocuted, which everybody felt was kind of a weak term. They really wanted to associate it with a name. And Westinghouse was the one they kept putting forward. Now, as part of this... There developed a story, this is later, um, that that Edison, in fact, electrocuted an elephant. And I hear this all the time when we talk about the battle of the currents. You know, okay, they were going around, they were electrocuting dogs, they were electrocuting cats, they were doing all of this stuff, and it got so bad that in New York City they actually electrocuted an elephant. That's the way the story goes, and it's always portrayed as Edison was such an evil fellow that he actually taut, you know, brought out an elephant. Well, the real story actually, and this gets back to what we talk about, how everything you ever learned in school is wrong. You know, it's always, it's always not, not necessarily, I should say it's always not necessarily. Okay, let's be positive. It's never the truth. Um, but um, there was an elephant, and this elephant's name was... Um, Oh, I lost track of it. Anyway, the name of it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, this elephant was electrocuted, but it had killed like Topsy. Topsy. That's so Topsy cute. Topsy at Coney Island, no less. Yeah, yeah, and and it was a big story because Topsy apparently his trainer was a drunk and was cruel to this elephant, and this elephant, of course, lashing out, killed three people. So the people at this at this park on in Coney Island decided the elephant had to be put down. Well, th- it was sentenced to hang. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> where well, are they going to hang it? I don't know. Do anybody think that through? <laughs> apparently well, not. Maybe they thought it was a good PR thing. But but I guess cooler heads prevailed because they decided electrocution. Oh yeah, so much better. But see, at the time, electrocution was a new thing and considered to be very painless. Uh, compared to the alternatives. Well, they should have had some people walk up there and try it out first. Oh well, that's I guess experimentation. I is would have much good. preferred that to the elephant being. Uh, anyway, but the, when this elephant had to be put down, it's like a rabid dog in this case, you know. But it's I mean, you could blame the trainer, and they should have maybe electrocuted him. But they, um, <laughs> but they decided <laughs> that's to another story. <laughs> yeah, they decided to electrocute the elephant, and uh, and so it was a matter of. Um, it was AC electricity once again, and the argument was that uh, t- that Edison was behind this. Well, he wasn't, although the Edison company apparently filmed it um, <laughs> because it was a big terrible. story. It was a big news story. But see, this was 10 years after the Battle of the Currents, so um, so it wasn't um, it wasn't, it wasn't part s- of it. Wasn't it wasn't going to sell the, the story. The narrative was such that. Um, that it didn't happen that way, where the dogs were being executed and then they escalated it up to an elephant. This became part of the mythology 
well after the fact. Uh, and so not, did they electrocute Tesla so they could win? <laughs> I think well, there are some pictures that Tesla was experimenting with electricity, but there's even evidence that was rigged. So um, What, that he was shocking himself? Yeah, maybe? there were pictures of him surrounded by electrical bolts and all of that. But apparently he did a double exposure that made him sitting in his laboratory and then he did an exposure of the electricity going around the laboratory. But he was a showman as well. I mean, he was, he was big into that. So anyway, as part of this development, because AC electricity was a superior technology at this time for transmitting electricity over longer distances, because remember I said that some voltage gets lost as you transmit it? Right. Well, if you can elevate the electricities to, say, 1,000 volts, and you're still losing 10 volts, 10 from 1,000 is a lot smaller percentage than 10 from 12, you know, like a DC system. If it's operating at 12 volts and you lose 10, you've lost almost all your electricity. So, so because you had these things called transformers, you could up and then lower the voltage. So transferring it over longer distances was more effective than DC. So a number of these um, companies evolved really by the end of 1887. Westinghouse had 68 power stations using AC. Edison had 121. But by the next year, we were starting to see those numbers begin to reverse themselves, where there were many more uh, AC power stations out there than DC. And that's when Edison kind of ramped up the battle. You know, he was his technology was losing. He wanted to fight back. Really, within about two years, um, we, uh, we saw this whole battle of the current start to uh, diminish, not because it was won or lost in the argument, but essentially Edison retired. A new CEO took over Edison's company, bought the competing AC electric company and switched everything over to AC and then said, oh, by the way, all these things we said evil about AC, yeah, forget all that because now it's all good. You are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, coming to you from Studio B, WOUB Radio, reminding you once again it is the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. <laughs> thank God. Okay, so today we're talking about the battle of the currents and um, the fact that um, there was this battle between the AC and the DC and between Edison and Westinghouse. And basically by 1888, this battle of the currents was beginning to wind down. 1889 comes along, and there were a number of high-profile deaths that reignited the controversy. And it was What's called- What's that mean, high profile death? Well, it was referred to in the newspapers as the electro, electric wire panic. And uh, basically in Buffalo, New York, about four technicians were killed all in one year while working on uh, electric lines. And one of them, there was a telegraph worker, and I think this was in New York City. He actually, um, he, was working on the telegraph wire, which is supposed to be low voltage, but it was shorted out to a high voltage AC electric line, and he got him he got electrocuted. But he was working right outside of City Hall, so he fell into the wires. He tangled all up, and his body was hanging there in front of City Hall for about an hour while they tried to get him down. And um, it 
was not a good PR situation for Westinghouse. So this started the whole controversy all over again. Um, they In Europe, they had settled a lot of this because they buried the wires. You know, they put the wires underground. In, in America, in New York especially, they did not want to go to the expense of burying these wires. So Westinghouse and the other companies argued vehemently that no regulation was required, um, except people started dying. Uh, so, so they got into this whole PR battle, uh, which is basically the battle of the currents. In fact, it, it began to cost them so much money um, and there were so many lawsuits that Westinghouse was right on the verge of bankruptcy, at which point J.P. Morgan, the banker, decided he was going to take advantage of this situation and he began manipulating the stock market and he was going to take over the electric industry by forcing Westinghouse, forcing these other people out of business and swooping in like a jackal and taking over. And the only thing that saved it was uh, Tesla, who uh, agreed essentially to tear up his patents on AC electricity and let them use it for free, which um, he lost about a trillion dollars, they figure. Well, so what would have been different if they hadn't won out and AC had remained the dominant electric AC became the dominant. I DC. mean, DC. DC, sorry. Well, DC was inherently with its with its properties of 100 years ago. Um, you know, you would have had to have power stations just about every 1,000 feet. So electricity only would have been available in urban centers. Um, you know, it, it would have changed things dramatically. There would have been no rural electrification program. There would have been no electricity out of the very centers of, of towns. Um, I often hear when we're talking about these things, you know, why do we use AC electricity instead of DC electricity today? And people still will say, well, AC electricity travels better over long distances than DC does, which is not true. Um, in fact, most of the high-powered uh, electrical lines that are in the U.S. now that travel across the country are DC. And DC does actually travel better over longer distances. But it required the development of the computer, basically, to allow us to begin to change the voltage of DC the same way we were able to manipulate the voltage of AC back in the 1890s. Could, could we do that now today with uh, broadband? With broadband. <laughs> We're there because, you know, we, we just, uh, rural America has such a bad time with that. We well, could just get some computer program that would suddenly transform something like DC. Well, you can actually uh, transmit data, broadband, over electric lines. Yeah, but it, we're, they're not doing it. I know. Well, that's a different issue. That's just the motivation of the companies involved. In fact, it's interesting you mentioned that because Nikola Tesla – he became obsessed with how can he make this invention of his, AC electricity, safer. So he got into this mindset that if he could emulate the waveform of sunlight, get that frequency, get that kind of intensity. Um, obviously, sunlight didn't hurt people, didn't kill people. If he could transmit electricity wirelessly and at the same frequencies as sunlight, he would make AC safer. 
And in fact, he ended up um, inventing the radio as part of this. And I hear people out there listening at the moment saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tesla did not invent the radio. Well, au contraire, he did, <laughs> right? Um, and he actually patented it. Um, and it wasn't until um, a couple of years later, Marconi, who is credited today with inventing the radio, um, it, it's assumed today he took many of Tesla's ideas and began to incorporate that into his radio production. And when he brought it over to the United States, he was infringing upon a number of Tesla's patents. Uh, Tesla didn't really seem to care. Tesla was one of these guys who he dearly wanted credit for his things, but he was not all that focused or that good at focusing on money. So he kind of let it slide until um, Marconi was awarded the um, Nobel Prize for uh, inventing the radio, at which time uh, Tesla pretty well freaked out and started suing him uh, for infringement. And by then, Marconi had a bunch of money. Tesla did not have a bunch of money. Uh, the patent office had awarded it to Tesla, had reinforced that it was Tesla's patent, and then suddenly reversed it, gave it to Marconi, and booted Tesla out. Um, now, they never explain why, but the assumption of modern-day historians is somebody got paid something. And uh, so, so money talked and Tesla walked uh, in this case. And wasn't Tesla, didn't he sort of fight mental illness much of his life? He did. He, he struggled with that, I think. I mean, um, obviously, uh, he was, uh, I mean, in his later years, the story goes, he was living in a hotel, um, walking around feeding pigeons and muttering the number three over and oh, over and over. I feed pigeons. Yeah, well, okay. I, don't I, rest, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't muddle the number three. I might talk to the refrigerator, though. Well, and, and what was nice is uh, Westinghouse agreed to pay his hotel room. Now, isn't that sweet? Since he had After given he him basically a like, trillion dollars yeah. worth of and saved his company. So, um, But uh, Tesla, Tesla had this reputation at the time and and historically so that he was he was un, unquestionably a genius and and they like to refer to him as thinking in three dimensions um which i think we all do i hope but um, i don't think that's true at all. <laughs> i wish more people did but he um he was bad with business he never seemed to have money he never he often bit off more than he could chew you know and and he was constantly in trouble there um, he did fight in court. It wasn't until after he died that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in his favor that he was, in fact, the inventor of the radio. And speaking of— uh, But they don't teach that in school. I, I know. They well, say Mr. Marconi did it. Well, they also say that Edison invented the light bulb, and they say that the Wright brothers were the first to fly. I mean, they say a lot of things that aren't true. But one thing that I found was quite interesting— is when Tesla was trying to show his wireless products, you know, here he created radio. Well, one of the things he didn't, I don't think, really saw the voice part of radio being interesting. Um, what did he think it was going to do? Remote control of machines. So he created wow. this uh, wireless boat. You know, it was almost like a submarine, but he had this wireless boat that he controlled remotely. It was a full-size boat? 
I'm not quite sure. I mean, I didn't. I Maybe wasn't, a little I wasn't kid's there. boat. I mean, in those days, they. But that's had still a lot amazing. Of, yeah, it is amazing. And and he um, he was controlling it wirelessly in 1898. Here he had this wireless remote control boat, and um, one of the New York Times reporters was saying this could be put a missile or a torpedo could be put on this. You've created a weapon. Uh, this is terrible. And Tesla actually responded to him, the quote I read, it says, you see here the first of a race of robots, mechanical men that will do the laborious work of the human race. So so he was envisioning, you know, a hundred and some odd years ago, this idea of remote controlled robotics, which is, I mean... I mean, the guy. The more you study him, I mean, yeah, he's he he was had some mental health issues. But, but maybe part of his mental health issues was the fact that he could see these things. You know, a lot of us believe certain things and come to understand certain things about today's political life or how things work, and then people might call us crazy because we really can put all the pieces together and see what's possible. Well, it's usually the, I mean, everything that is going to happen into the future is crazy the first time it's shown. I mean, almost by, there's, I think it was a George Bernard Shaw quote that says, um, you know, a reasonable person or a reasonable man adapts himself to his environment. An unreasonable man adapts the environment to himself. So all progress is made by unreasonable men. And, and, and that makes women. Sense. Yeah, well, George Bernard Shaw didn't care about women. Come on. Oh, yes, he did. I, I'm actually, sure he probably he actually did. did. Yes, he did. <laughs> so, um, so this was the battle of the currents. Um, you know, even something as mundane as why do we use AC electricity as DC has this amazing historical element associated with it that, um, you know, human stories and torturing of animals and people dying and battles and lawsuits and patent infringements and all of that. I, I just find that the human element of technology development is, is fascinating, especially since we never learn it. Well, and it's too bad because I think these stories could really get uh, young people interested in engineering and technology in a way that the old boring story does not, the untrue boring story. And I think that is a disservice because um, even though I'm not a geek and I'm not that keenly interested, I do like the gossip part of it. And sometimes that engages me in a way that I want to learn more. And if that works on me, it's definitely going to work on younger people who are sometimes actively seeking something to be keenly interested in instead of the same old kind of stuff. Okay, so next time you're told that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, that uh, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, that Marconi invented the radio, um, you know, that the Wright brothers invented the airplane, just uh, look at the person and no, you don't have to say because they're not going to believe you anyway, that history is more complicated than that. You know, one person builds upon another person's invention. They refine it. They sue each other. The lawyers argue it out. People steal. And then you find out the Chinese invented it 4,000 years I was just going to say, or that it's happening in four different parts of the world, even though nobody was communicating with each other. That's really the fascinating well, part of that things story. Things come of age. Things come yeah. of age, and then it happens. Yeah. So. 
You've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, along with Adam Rich, our award-winning Emmy producer. Thank you for spending a bit of time with us. And as your grandmother probably told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is to... Annie, play nice with others. I'll try. Clean up your own mess. Sure. Don't believe anything you ever hear. And eat your vegetables. Of course. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Mother Earth will sing and her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blurockstation.com. Blue